And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast post-game edition, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, Kami Amrabi, and joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown. Stephen, we have had a an evening, I guess you would say, to recover, about 24 hours since the game started, and uh, that was a Sooners win 53-45 to in Dallas, up late. And then all of the things that ensued after. That is like the, one of the most stressful things I've ever watched in a long time. What about you? That was that was like the definition of a roller coaster of emotion. Because you go through that game, um, you feel pretty comfortable about, well, about where OU's at pretty early. Um, even when it's tied, it looks like they're going to remain competitive. And then they jump out to that, was it, 31-17 lead? Yep. Like, okay, all they have to do is just finish this thing out, which is not what OU does at all. Yeah, with like five minutes left after the interception. <laughs> yeah, so um, then you go through the four overtimes. That was just, I mean, looking back, that was really, really fun football. But at the time, that was just so stressful. Yeah, it's one of the things that at the time I was pacing my house and needed things to calm myself down, <clears throat> me- medication, if you will. And um, I was like, even then, I was just, it was, I was in slow motion panic instead of just regular panic and/or anxiety. And oh my goodness, it was just like this is one of the games that's going to be a classic. You're going to be able to watch it like a normal person after what you after you know what the end is. But oh my goodness, like my Apple Watch dinged me and was like, hey, this says you have an irregular heartbeat. Are you okay? <laughs> And I does it's like, do you need emergency whatever services? And I was like, yeah, no, this is this is wild because I hadn't even worked out that day, but my heart was so tired by the evening. It just just too much, too much. But it was a hell of a game. So and talk about what you were saying earlier about Oklahoma showing up to play. I thought they showed up to play early as well, and that was one of my things. I I said OU was going to execute at a high level in the first half, but I didn't realize it was going to last throughout the, I guess all the game except four minutes in the fourth quarter but what, what are your immediate reactions who came to play who was surprising who was not etc well I think the the immediate reaction for a lot of people is wow this this team they learned something today they grew from their experiences of the past two weeks um, and now they're they look more competitive than ever um, I think from the get-go was it the first series you had the turnover I think the first series, oh, on defense? With, uh, yes. Yeah, they, Winfrey, because they got like third and the second series, Yeah, they had the, the interception that called back for, for holding, which the, the officials are it was the officials are fucking awful. Yeah, it was they need to weak. They need to do something about the officials in the Big 12. Um, I mean, you can get reprimanded for doing almost anything as a student, but as an official, you get a blown call. You put, what, 40 seconds back on the clock? Yeah. That's just ridiculous. And, but. like, I don't think the Big 12 has said anything about that yet. And I don't know the SEC came out and said about how Arkansas got hosed, so I imagine the Big 12 is going to have to respond to them adding 40 seconds. Because right. I remember watching that part of the game and thinking, wait a minute, why why are they adding another 40, 40 30 seconds on the clock? It was so odd. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was 40 seconds. I looked at the clock and said, that, that was about, you know, they threw about 20, 25 seconds back on there. So that's just ridiculous. And if there's no explanation, then, you know, 
that's another Bob Bowlesby moment where it's just like the commissioner is inept. But back to the game, I thought the defense played maybe their best game as a unit. Um, I know there's a lot of shuffling, um, but guys came to play. Isaiah Thomas from Tulsa came to play. Yeah, and that, that was something I was I was very happy about. I mean, the, the narrative was, I mean, as long as OU's offense can stay on the field and if they can run the ball, they've got a chance. And for the majority of the game, it was the defense that kept the game in check because Oklahoma, they start out pretty well. I mean, 10 nothing, And then they turn the ball over three straight times, and they put the defense in such awful situations. And, I mean, credit to the defense. They, you know, they, they forced three turnovers yesterday, and they they held Texas offense in check when they needed to. The, they didn't let Texas get the big play. They kept everything in front of them. They sacked Ellinger like, like what six times a year after they sacked him nine times, <clears throat> and so they and I mean credit to the young guys. Woody Washington really really played that game well, and I think he's earned himself a lot of playing time down the stretch. And I mean, I was just it was just incredible that Oklahoma was up. It seemed like the game was entirely in hand. Woody Washington picks off Sam Ellinger in the end zone with about five minutes left. You're thinking, oh man, this game's over. And the entire, like, OU's defense is celebrating. Grinch is telling them to shut the hell up because there's still five minutes left. And all of a sudden, it's just they stopped, they stopped rushing the quarterback and let Ellinger get, you know, 20, 30 yards at a time. And it just got crazy from there. And so, I mean, I don't think the players necessarily are to blame for much of what happened down the stretch. I mean, Lincoln Riley, he'll, he'll come out and tell you that, yeah, well, we tried to go for the win on that one play. Well, that's, that, yes, I'm, I was hoping they were going to pass the ball. I was hoping they were going to go for the win. Um, I, I mean, I, I been a, might have been in the minority there. I was like, actually, I don't mind if they pass the ball on that third down because if they get the first down, it's over. I mean, it, it, it's done. And so, but it was the, it were the drives leading up to that. The entire fourth quarter, it seemed like Oklahoma just killed the clock, killed the clock. And then when they're on defense, they started rushing three instead of rushing four and five and twisting and stunting like they had been the entire game. So it led to a more, more stressful game than it ever needed to be. But definitely, like you said, Oklahoma learned a lot about themselves and we learned a lot about Spencer Rattler in the time. But Oklahoma dominated on both lines. Who do you think was more impressive, the defensive line or the offensive line, considering what performances they've shown you this early on in the year? I'm going to go with the defensive line. I know the offensive line played well. Um, the one thing about the offensive line is they're still doing the shuffling, right? I noticed that. I, I think I think they stopped doing the shuffling after Eric Swenson about got Rattler killed. Um, <laughs> and then I think you saw Anton Harrison in for the rest of the game, I believe. But I might have to go back and watch. But, I mean, they just need to decide on what they're, what they're going to do with left tackle. They I can't agree. just keep doing the, the shuffling. But defensive line, I thought they played really well. Um, towards the end, you could tell they were pretty gassed. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing we brought up before is where is this team conditioning-wise from all the off-season um, chaos. But uh, I thought the defensive line, they played well. Um, they got in the backfield. There's some times where they, they missed a tackle or two, um, could have ended a drive. But I thought if you're asking for pressure, they did enough today. Yeah, and like like you said, it looked like it looked like Sam Ellinger was dead to rights a few more times in the backfield, like a hundred percent. He slipped he slipped out of two sacks, 
that I was just bewildered by because it should have been a sack for a loss of eight and then Texas gained, I think, like 15 yards twice. And that's just Sam Ellinger being Sam Ellinger. I mean, he's despite what we say about how good of a quarterback he is, he's really good. He's a really good scrambler and runner. And he's, of course, a senior, and he's lost to four of you quarterbacks. But, I mean, the defensive line was incredible. Uh, they, they played really well. Preen Winfrey had a good game. Josh Ellison had a good game. And what we've seen from this defensive line so far this year is that they're good at stuffing the run. Uh, and when they are able to pass rush, they can. Uh, but definitely they're good at stuffing the run. And then I look at the offensive line. And I think it's funny that you mentioned shuffling left tackle because Oklahoma's got a bye week. And you know over the next two weeks people are going to say, oh, man, I wonder if Chris Murray is going to start a left tackle. So OU would effectively maybe, if Chris Murray ever starts at left tackle for Oklahoma, who recently got his waiver approved, not, uh, well, Ronnie Perkins did too, but apparently there are rumors of <laughs> things. So I forgot to sign it. Yeah, well, I saw, I mean, I don't I don't like the whole thing of rumors, but when I asked a couple people last night, they said there's a rumor of Ronnie Perkins pee is uh, smelling weird again as far as, things he may have been suspended for so i hope that's not true but i'm just curious what happens with left tackle if chris murray gets in left tackle had been ou's third starting left tackle in five games if he does play tcu but i'd be surprised but yeah offensive line they came to play they really did and you saw the gt counter working with tj pledger who had a hell of a game i think like what three touchdowns pledger had Uh, he definitely had two i believe it's three and then an, <laughs> no, it's two. Sorry, he did. He did fumble on that <clears throat> drive going to the end to the to the end zone at the at half. So that was really TJ Player's only bad thing of the game. But yeah, like you said, I think the defensive line was gassed. Even though they were only rushing three, I think they it was pretty clear that they were tired and they were getting in guys on third down that were not in on first and second down. So really, really a solid game overall from both teams. Just I, I think I don't think I mean, would you agree with this or do you think it's in between that? I don't think you can really as much blame the players for what happened in the last five minutes as you could blame maybe the calls that were coming in from the sidelines. I mean, there are some there's some missteps, there's some some mistakes on the field, but overall, I mean, you have to look at Lincoln Riley because just the play calling was just it was just a head scratcher. Yeah, that reverse on third down. <clears throat> third down. Like, what I think that doing, lost man? like ten ten yards. Yeah, just like play action, read option, that thing. The, I've noticed they did a lot more RPO against Texas. It's just like do something. Don't don't try to be cute. You're better. You you have been better the entire game. Just show what you've been doing. Even if you gain two yards, it makes everything a lot easier. I just that blew my mind. Some of the play calls that came from Riley's side. I wasn't really too surprised what came from Alex Grinch, but Riley's side. I was just like, come on, man, like. You can't talk about having killer instinct and then just pack it in for the last <clears throat> last seven minutes, except the last drive. I thought Alex Grinch did a, did a pretty good job coaching late with what he had. I mean, you could just tell that a lot of guys were were not there conditioned. Um, they were kind of, I mean, you weren't going to get their, their best performance. So you look, he puts in guys like Trey Norwood. Um, Woody Washington's another guy that got in late and, and played really, really well. Um, Jaden Davis, so... I thought he, he handled his personnel a lot better than what Lincoln Riley did. I agree. And I think Oklahoma special teams, besides, of course, Gabe Burkich 
just completely hooking a, a field goal left to end <laughs> the game. You could tell that was going to go bad. Yeah, I, and I saw I saw an image of the snap afterwards, and I guess the ball was tilted at a really sharp angle. But I mean, I don't know how much that really matters for kickers. I'm not a kicker. I don't I don't know about their world, but. I don't know how much ball placement on the ground can really force the ball to be hooked that far. But, I mean, special teams, Marvin Mims comes up big. Perry and Winfrey comes up big. Uh, David Aguebu comes up big. They played really well in special teams. And so Oklahoma effectively, honestly, Oklahoma dominated in all three phases of the game except for the last five minutes of the entire game. And, and like, I think everybody, I mean, everybody was just, I think everybody was surprised just like the Texas Tech game between Texas and Tech, that they're like, oh, this game's over. And the next thing you know, Ellinger, I mean, the defense gets a little bit soft. The offense doesn't really convert. And then all of a sudden, Ellinger just turns on the Rockets. It's just incredible what he was able to do. I mean, and by himself. I mean, Texas had, I can't, I don't even know how many yards Texas had before those last six minutes. But I can tell you, it was not. They they had less than 100 yards, and I can tell you that they had less than 200 passing yards, and they ended the game with so many yards, considering that it went to overtime. But it's just this game was dominated by OU early until late, and even Oklahoma. Something spe- specific that I mentioned during the game was that they're going to get punched in the face during the second half. They're going to have to answer the bell. Well. They got punched late, and they kept on answering the bell in overtime. So I think that this team, you know, Rattler got dinged up early on. You know, Lincoln Riley benched him, and then Mordecai led a touchdown drive. You know, effectively the touchdown drive was like, what, 10 yards because it was off a blocked punt. Um, But, I mean, they were very up and down, and both sides, the offense weathered the storm definitely in overtime. The defense weathered the storm early on, and... Both both sides and special teams came to play effectively. Really put this game into you know really just made this team like grow up before our eyes. And Oklahoma goes over 200 yards rushing for the first time this year. And the possession battles like I think 36 to 24 minutes. And the stats are skewed. I mean, if Oklahoma wins this game 31 to 17 and they just close out the game after that Woody Washington interception in the end zone, I mean, what what are the headlines coming out of this game? Uh, I mean, it's just OU's defense is back. Um, I still think there's some question marks with Lincoln Riley, but the one thing about Lincoln Riley that I thought he did really well today was go ahead and just pull Spencer Rattler. And I know Spencer Rattler, I think he said after the game that he wasn't benched, that was just an injury thing. But you could tell that, you know, he took that opportunity to sit him down, um, let Tanner Mordecai go in there, settle some things down, um, and then bring him back in the second half. I thought that was really well, uh, really well done, but again... The narrative, regardless of the outcome, was what was Lincoln Riley doing late? Yeah, and talking about that Spencer Rattler benching, I guess, because after that happened, I remember getting so many messages. They're like, hey, is is Spencer Rattler injured or is he just bad? And I just said yes. And, <laughs> and I mean, it looked like he got dinged <clears throat> up a little bit, but it didn't seem very serious. I know, I know he took a, a couple of shots, and that's when Eric Swenson got benched. But I don't. I didn't think it was that serious. He didn't seem like anything particularly serious, especially because after they like were massaging his his arm, his throwing arm, he had his helmet on and he was on the sideline for what another two drives. <laughs> so yeah. it didn't seem like too much of an injury thing because they let Mordecai run it out in, in this after the those last few drives of the first half, and then 
I was thinking I mean, may well, I mean, Mordecai, although he made some of the right throws, and albeit those throws were a little bit low, he wasn't, he wasn't skipping it to the receivers. He almost got picked off with about two minutes left in the second half, but I thought Mordecai did okay. I mean, he was going to be a game manager, but it was pretty clear that Oklahoma's best shot to win this game was behind Spencer Rattler's arm, and I don't think anybody was under the guy set that wasn't that wasn't the the thing. I think everybody knew that Spencer Rattler was going to give OU the best shot to win, and I think the fact that some people, when I asked, hey, who's going to be OU starting quarterback in the second half, some people were like, Chandler Morris. <laughs> no. I was like, what is, are you serious? Because I think some people were serious, <clears> even though Spencer Rattler had been, Spencer Rattler had been having a a decent game despite some of the dumb mistakes he had had. I mean, Overshone, I think, just drifted up uh, into <clears throat> coverage, and he just didn't see him, and <laughs> that was a that was a mess. But, I mean, I think if Oklahoma wins this game 31-17, to I think, I think you're right. I think people say, oh, the defense is back. They let the young guys like Woody Washington play, and he played really well. And Isaiah Thomas, who was a three-star guy, like I think Tulsa Memorial or – I don't think, right. I think it's Tulsa, Tulsa Memorial. Yeah. And I mean Oklahoma has so many Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma kids mm. on this defensive roster anyways between Trey Brown, Isaiah Thomas, Laron Stokes, Jalen Redmond who didn't play. Uh I mean there's the not Delarian Trinio but Patrick Fields, all those guys. I mean they have a lot of Oklahoma <clears throat> kids. Yeah, Brian Mead who actually, you know, he was <laughs> He was the one that st- stood in the hole and stuffed Ellinger on that like, 14-yard QB rush play that was called back for, I think, a personal foul on just a late hit. But he was going to be the one that stood them up on on third down. But, man, it was just it was just good to see what, how the offense responded in overtime. They just kept on coming at you. I think, I think it was Ellinger just completely killed Oklahoma on that first overtime. And it's third and, third and eight or something like that. And Rattler, only only a, th- a throw like that. I mean, Rattler did a lot of these throws in overtime, it felt like. Only a, a coffin corner throw to the flag a, to Austin Stogner over one defender while Austin Stogner boxes out another defender. I think they panned right over to Sam Ellinger as soon as that was called for a touchdown. And I think Ellinger was just saying, wow, because <laughs> Ellinger knows he can't make that throw. And only very that? few quarterbacks in the in college can make that throw. So I think you saw a lot of what Spencer Rattler was about today. But we have more stuff to talk about, but we have a, to do a break for our sponsors. So uh, we have stuff about Sam Ellinger, Oklahoma defense, having a day, some helmet stickers, and how good this team can be. You know, with a threat of going to one and three, but coming to one and two, uh, coming to two and two with a bye week in store. So we have a lot more to talk about, and we'll check you guys after the break. All right, Stephen. So, one of the most funny storylines is that Sam Ellinger, Texas fans love Sam Ellinger. I mean, he's been a Texas fan. I mean, they mentioned it a million times during the broadcast. He's been a Texas fan since he was a kid. He they showed home videos of him being Chris. He's like, I'm Chris Sims, which is really <laughs> funny because Chris. I don't think Chris Sims beat OU. Uh, you know, yeah, he didn't because of 2001, 02, 03. So, I mean. It was just, it was just, ugh, it was so annoying. But the, the one of the most satisfying things was Ellinger loses again. But not only Ellinger loses again, I think Texas loses nine out of the last eleven to Oklahoma. So now soon, soon enough, over the next thirty years, Oklahoma, Texas is not going to be able to brag about them owning the series 
because they won't have owned the series anymore. And Sam Ellinger lost to his fourth AU quarterback. I mean, they've got Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and now effectively Spencer Rattler. And you could also mention Tanner Mordecai since he got in there for a few a few drives. But talking about Sam Ellinger's, I guess, legacy as a Longhorn quarterback against, against OU, and I guess Tom Herman to that extension as well, what what are their what are their legacies right now against OU? It's it's got to be that it's, they were they were good, but definitely not great, right? I think a lot of people are going to default to oh, it's Tom Herman's fault, couldn't get it done. But I mean, from the outside looking in, it's it's comical. It's one of those things they're trying to do the same thing with Bo Nix and Auburn. Um, they're trying to build up. Oh, they grew up an Auburn fan. They grew up a Texas fan. They're living their dream. In reality, they're just not. They're good, but they're not where they're not good enough to push their team over the edge. They're not a Baker Mayfield. They're not a Kyler Murray, and to an extent, they're not even a Jalen Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts, you know, despite all his flaws, found a way to win. Um, whether that be through just running the ball, or defaulting to the uh, the talents of his his um, receivers or running backs, um, Sam Ellinger, he can do it by himself. I mean, he can make he can make the big plays, but he can't get the win. And he he nearly damn he nearly damn did it in those last few minutes. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, so many times because they said, "Oh, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt said, well, Sam Ellinger has the most quarterback has the most touchdowns in the, in the entire country at 14. And 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 in and, and typical Ellinger fa- fashion. This game wasn't a game which ended on a on a Spencer Rattler turnover, as you've seen the last two games when Oklahoma had a, had a chance to win or take the lead. It, it ended on another Sam Ellinger interception, and we've seen that so many times. And damn, the game should have ended about what an hour earlier, off the same thing—a Sam Ellinger interception in the end zone from Woody Washington. So I agree. I, mean, I think Sam Ellinger and Texas fans are going to love Ellinger because he's the best co- quarterback they've had since Colt McCoy and well, I guess Vince Young before that. And so te- Texas fans are now fawning over not only, you know, Sam Ellinger and how, you know, he he effectively almost won Texas a game they shouldn't even been, shouldn't even been in the last in the in the last place, but Texas fans are now fawning over Mac Brown, who they just completely shit on for a few years, and they're like, "Oh man, he's got that North Carolina team in a top ten position, and they're beating the hell out of whoever." With of course, they almost came back, but I think it's just funny about Tom Herman. I mean, I mean, I remember when Oklahoma was with Bob Stoops, and people were like, "Oh man, this Tom Herman guy at Houston. I hope he's the next. I hope he's the next head coach at OU." talking between Tom Herman and Urban Meyer and now you've seen what he's done at Texas and you've seen what Lincoln Riley's been able to do at OU despite this year I mean like you look at the last three years and like people want to say you know Lincoln Riley's been saying this team has been close it's been close for the last couple weeks even though people don't want to look at it and admit it and I think they have been close and despite Texas and maybe not being in the best position may not being the best team right now I think Oklahoma showed you guys a lot and I think Oklahoma is close. I think the offensive line, they can build off what they can do for that TCU game and have I think I think this bye week came at a at a perfect situation for Oklahoma's defense, particularly the defensive line. Those dudes are gonna need definitely a week to recover. 
as far as what they went out and had to do against Texas, but have a day on the defense. Three turnovers, a blocked punt, Mims special teams return. I mean, and Trey Brown should have, like you said earlier, Trey Brown should have had the interception that they called back was entirely weak. And so this defense, I mean, Trey Brown, he's, he's one of the guys that is a vocal leader on the team, but do you see him getting replaced a lot more <clears throat> by Woody Washington moving forward? And maybe, and maybe not just him, but Jeremiah Cradell had a had a decent game, and right. Eaton had a lot more chances for exposure toward the end. And Trey Norwood even at times took over Delarian Turner Yale's <clears throat> spot and took over a couple spots which I didn't necessarily like. Pat Fields, who's a captain on the team, didn't. I mean, he seems not to be a very vocal guy, but I mean. Who do you see on defense really stepping up? Because I think we saw a ton of Aguebu in. I think we're going to see even more Aguebu in. And there were times where I saw Aguebu and and uh, Brian Asamoah in over over Asamoah and Deshaun White. So who do you see really getting more playing time going forward, knowing that this Texas game is really what separates guys and starts to get other guys more playing time? Oh, there's a there's a ton of guys that <clears throat> that should flash. As I thought, we can start with the defensive line. Uh, Joshua Ellison, I thought, played a pretty decent game. Um, you know, nothing spectacular, but he looks like a guy that can contribute um, on the interior of that defensive line. Um, Woody Washington, as you mentioned, Jaden Davis uh, played a great game. I think he's maybe the best corner on that team right now. So if you look at, um, you asked about Trey Brown, I thought, you know, the emotional side of it, at the end of the game, you saw Trey Brown get the interception, wear the golden hat. That's all great. That's a great story. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't overshadow the fact that Woody Washington and Jane Davis are probably your best two starting corners. Yeah, I agree. And so, what does that I mean? What kind of morale shift <clears throat> would that have on the team if Trey Brown were to get benched? I don't know if it's benched as much as you just rotate them because they're already rotating corners anyways. Yeah. I think you just do it a little more often. And would you ever make Woody Washington a starter or would you have Trey Brown be the starter and just rotate Washington in a lot more? I mean, a lot of this has to do with optics, but it's not like the players wouldn't understand what was happening. I think you go with the latter. I think you still rely on that that experience early. Um, let them get their feet wet, and then you say, hey, we need you to step in for Trey Brown in the next series, and we'll start rotating you in more and more. So I don't think it's a like a wholesale change kind of thing. Um, I think it's more you just let them play, and then you start rotating Woody Washington in more often. And something interesting about Texas is that we saw them try almost like a, honestly a variety of things on offense against this Oklahoma defense because – we knew coming into this game, Texas' offensive line wasn't the best, but we knew that they had a really good passing attack this entire year. I think they averaged about 50-something points coming in. Of course, that's inflated because they played UTEP and Texas Tech, despite not scoring too many points against TCU the week before. And they tried to... You, you didn't really see anything about Brennan Eagles. You didn't really see anything about Tariq Black. I mean, they had their they had their plays. Of course they did, but they, didn't, they weren't making any game-changing plays like right. you saw with Theo Wees and like you saw with Austin Stogner. And 
I mean, you saw their <clears throat> you you, see, you saw their offense not really get behind the Oklahoma DBs. Oklahoma defensive backs played a, a pretty decent game. I think their defense in general played a really decent game, especially the defensive line and Perry Winfrey who had a hell of a game. And not only that, then you see Texas try to do the Iowa State game and go big, and you saw you saw them you know, line up in 10, 12 personnel, and you saw big tight ends in the game instead of, you know, going three, four wide and sometimes five wide, and that wasn't really working for them either. And so, like, Oklahoma clearly adjusted from what they learned at Iowa State. It also turns out Texas and as good as at Iowa State's game as Iowa State is. And so kudos to Oklahoma just for adapting the entire game, getting after it, and same thing for the offense, especially the offensive line, especially once Anton Harrison was in for them. And they did a really good job just adapt, adapting on the fly. And uh, Stoops comes up big once again in an OU Texas game. Of course, it's not Bob and definitely not Mike. It was Drake, who is the <laughs> nail in the coffin offensively uh, before Sam Ellinger, of course, turns the ball over. So let's go to helmet stickers, and we're going to give three out on offense and defense, even though OU, OU does not indeed have helmet stickers. Uh, who, who are your guys on, on both sides of the ball that you would say definitely get a nod to for this game? I'm going to go give the first helmet sticker to I'm going to go Tanner Mordecai. I thought um, he was put in a situation where it's not always the best, right? Right. He just went in there to spell Spencer Rattler pretty much. And he looked, you know, he didn't look bad doing it. So um, they could have moved forward with him um, in the second half, but they chose to, to bring Spencer Rattler back in. I thought that shows, I mean, that's kind of, that shows some more grit for Tanner Mordecai. He's going to be a quarterback somewhere. It might not be OU. But he's going to be a quarterback somewhere. So I thought his role there, um, I think that deserves a helmet sticker. I'll go another one, TJ Pledger. Um, 131 rushing yards and 20-something receiving yards. He had a pretty good day. And then probably Austin Stogner because he made some some incredible catches and just got the shit beat out of him. So. Oh, my God. When he got when he got <laughs> when Rattler let him out to dry when the ball was a little bit behind him, and he got undercut and just landed on his back. I mean, a dude that's like six foot eight and just solely landing on your back. I was really concerned for that moment when he was down. But yeah, I mean that that's just toughness right there. So that's another helmet sticker. And Grant Kekuter is probably like, oh, I've been there before. God, yeah. thanks, Kyler. Yeah, because. Calcaterra, Calc was tweeting during the game and was talking about how big Stog was. And I was just thinking, I had a flashback to uh, to Calcaterra just getting lit up over the middle by, you know, because of Kyler Murray. (laughs) And like, I mean, you didn't really see that last year because Jalen Hurts didn't throw the ball over the middle. So I just, I was so, so, so concerned when Stogner went down for this moment and he just had the wind knocked out of him. And so, since you went those guys, um, I'll go ahead and say Theo Weiss. I mean, he he was definitely not there in certain parts of the game, but in other parts of the game, he really came up big, especially that one throw that Rattler tried to throw into a tight window with another defender right in the area, and he just makes a contested catch between two defenders. So kudos to him. Uh, I'm definitely going to go... I mean, how how could you really not go Spencer Rattler when you get benched for your performance, even though he said this injury? I don't really buy that. You, you get benched, and then you play a really well 
uh, part of the second half, I mean, he 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 did really didn't have that big of a day. And if you look at his stats, he really didn't have that big of a day uh, in regulation. But then in, in overtime, just completely crushed it. And I don't see how you can't be really excited for that. And then, I mean, you already went Stogner. You already went TJ Pledger. So I guess, I mean... I mean, I'm cool at two. I mean, there's not a lot to say. I mean, can you give a helmet sticker the offensive line? Sure. I mean, I was I was just yeah, really I was gonna happy. Say maybe Anton Harrison. Yeah, Anton Harrison playing playing pretty well. I was just pretty happy that Lincoln Riley stopped playing Charleston Rambo so much with the starters and stopped throwing him those screens. I mean, he did it once, which was just unbelievable to me. But he, he stopped playing Rambo in a position that was not making him as successful. So I was happy with that. Uh, for defense, since you went first on offense, I'll say for defense, I was pretty happy. I mean, of course, besides the freshman, I was pretty happy with Perry and Winfrey. I thought he played exceptional. I mean, I think he was living in the backfield. I think he got a lot of push throughout the entire game. I was really happy with David Aguebu. I mean, he played really well on defense with, you know, him being in the middle, him playing on the edge, him playing on special teams. He had himself one hell of a day. And then, I mean, I can go with a lot of other guys. I think Jaden Davis just played really well, but there is so many other guys that play, play, played really well in defense. So what about you? I'll go the opposite. I'll go Woody Washington for obvious reasons. Um, another guy that we haven't really talked about was Nick Benito. Yeah, um, I thought he played really, really well. We've seen Nick Benito get into the backfield and just – he just misses the tackle by, you know, a couple inches. So um, he got home a few times today, so I'm going to give him a helmet sticker. Um, I'll go Josh Ellison for being, you know, another guy that, um, I mean, he didn't have a huge role, but he definitely opened stuff up for Perry and Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas. Um, just a guy there that can, can uh, be accounted for by the offensive line. Opens so much up more for the other guys. And then, uh, I mean, I'll go Trey Brown because he had the uh, the the interception called back, and then he made the late the late interception to seal the game. Um, just a cool moment. So, I'm gonna go those three. And honestly, the defensive line played really well, and we haven't really talked about. I mean, like I mentioned, David Aguayo. We really haven't even talked about the linebackers who honestly had a <clears throat> really good game for the most part. I mean, the majority John of the John Michael defense, Terry. Yeah, man, my John Michael Terry was really good. I think the majority of the defense actually had a really good game for the almost the entire game, except when they were kind of gassed at the end and they were playing prevent defense instead of you know still playing up on Texas. So I think I think I think you could say a lot of guys on this defense had a really good game. So honestly, Texas, of course, they've had their issues with Tech. They lost to TCU um, and. Texas, we may know it may not be at the end of the at the end of the season, maybe a very average team. And I think Oklahoma, I mean, they're at two and two. They have six games left. I think Oklahoma could honestly be, if they lose like what one game, one or two more games, Oklahoma is by the season's end. I think they're going to be one of the best six or seven win teams in the country. Um, but so knowing what we know now, that Oklahoma definitely grew over the week. They have a bye week, and they play TCU in, <clears throat> in Fort Worth in two weeks. Where do we go from here? How good can this team be? Uh, what do you expect to see from this team for the last six games? I don't think this team's anywhere near good enough to say that they're going to win out their schedule. Um, even going to TCU, I don't know if OU's going to be that big of a favorite. So 
Um, there's definite improvement today, um, but as far as being where they need to be, I still think they're pretty far away from it. Um, I think as far as conditioning, you got to be able to play those four quarters. Um, the mental mistakes, the big plays, you got to limit those as well. Um, Spencer Rattler has to be more consistent. I mean, you can't go through each game. Um, and then to get sit on the sidelines for Tanner Mordecai just for a wake-up call. Right. So there are some really good things in this game, but I, I don't think OU is where they need to be um, to win out the rest of the schedule. So I still think they're at risk of you know losing at TCU, uh, maybe Oklahoma State. Um, but, you know, from a week ago, we thought those were for sure losses. Right. Now they have a chance. Yeah, and that, that was something I was going to bring up was – Last week we talked about you know Oklahoma they're one and two, and if you should drop to one and three, I mean this game seemed like a season-defining game. And honestly, we might look back in six games and say, "Damn, that Texas game was like we said a season-defining game." Where Oklahoma they got up again for the third game in the row, two scores, and they let it go. And you start to think like we talked about last week, like, "Oh man, it's happening again!" Like it's really happening again. And then. Oklahoma, they had they they rose to the occasion uh, on both sides of the ball, all three sides of the ball, I guess you might say, and Oklahoma definitely won two to the three sides of the ball, and you know I think they showed a lot of what they are. I think I think eventually, like I agree with what you said. I think I don't think they're anywhere close to their potential. I I think they they definitely like, yeah Oklahoma's riding this high off of beating Texas and being two and two. But, you know, you lost your first two conference games. And you still have teams like Tech, who's gotten better under Matt Wells, and West Virginia, who's gotten better. And, you know, you still have Gundy, although, although loses to Oklahoma, uh, and in years they shouldn't. Oklahoma State's been good, although they haven't necessarily played the best the best teams in the conference. And you, you have several teams that can definitely beat Oklahoma, especially if Oklahoma's riding an up-and-down wave and still isn't consistent because – I mean, I watched that Miami Clemson game last night. I didn't watch the, I didn't watch the Alabama game because I probably should have. Lane Kiffin was just like clowning all over Nick Saban, but I watched that Clemson game and saw a an overrated Miami team, but also b a completely consistent Clemson team is whipping yeah. their ass from snap to snap, uh, and they were just they were crisp and they executed at a high level at really fast paces. And Oklahoma's not even close there yet. And Oklahoma probably won't get there this year. And that's something that I think, I mean, I think we disagreed last week. I think Oklahoma can get there next year. Um, but I think Oklahoma's nowhere close to their potential. And I think it's going to, this year of growing pains is going to be something interesting. I mean, I don't think it's kind of like, I don't think it's like Spencer Sanders at OSU last year. I think OSU fans knew Sanders was good, but definitely inconsistent. I think Oklahoma fans think Spencer Rattler is really good. I think we can all say, man, he is one of the best players on the offense, and he's really he's going to be really, really special. But, again, I think we can agree, just like Spencer Sanders from last year, I think he's really, really good, but also inconsistent. But that isn't necessarily his fault if he's running for his life in the backfield, which he didn't really have to do too much after they flopped Eric Swenson out. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma won seven games. I wouldn't be surprised if they won six. I don't think they're going to only win five. I don't think they're going to drop, you know, half their games the second half of the season with teams like Kansas coming up and, you know, Texas Tech. But 
I think I think Oklahoma is going to be really good uh, the second half of the season after this bye week. The, that can come at a better time, and I'll, I'm I'm excited to see how they've grown, and yeah. I'm excited to see maybe if Ronnie Perkins maybe does get back, and I'm excited to see what Oklahoma can look like with Ramondre Stevenson and Trajan Bridges once they get back. So. Oklahoma getting more guys and maybe when Jaden Hazel gets back because I mean Oklahoma's missing several guys on defense and offense from injury or suspension or opting out and so I think this Oklahoma team is going to return a lot of guys next year and they're going to have a lot of expectations so just really curious to see how they shake out for the rest of the year but I think I think that about does it for me I mean do you have anything left no I'm good all right well it's good to see OU actually win out a game or at least try to yeah and it was kind of like who who wants to lose more but it, it seemed really really stressful down the stretch <laughs> but it was really it good was to see oklahoma just stick in there and yeah they 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 kind of blew it in those last four minutes and just to stick with it in overtime and go for it on fourth and goal and a lot of other things that they had success and, and it just it was good to see them respond to adversity in a different way in comparison to the last two weeks, I definitely think that was really nice to see, especially under Lincoln Riley. That was like, oh, yeah, this game, that's a good Texas team, despite him just really packing it up for the fourth quarter. <laughs> Other than that last <laughs> offensive drive in regulation where they tried to go for the win. Like, I respect that. I didn't respect Oklahoma kind of packing it in and just running it for three straight downs, the three possessions prior. That's what I think a lot of stuff yeah. pissed at. I don't think it was that last drive. If Oklahoma had just effectively tried to go for the first downs and the couple drives prior i don't think that last drive happens i I don't think it's an issue but i digress but yeah i think i think this next week is going to be interesting i think recruiting is going to be really interesting over this next week with bowman decommitting from texas and really really leaning an ou way especially once ou should have just blasted texas but we'll see what happens but yeah follow us on crimson and you can follow us on twitter at cc machine uh, you can follow me, Kamim Robbian, at CamRobbianCCM. You can follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. We'll have a lot more stuff with you guys later. Oklahoma heading into the bye week on a very, very positive note. And we'll check you guys later.